You're tuning in to the ONP Check-In, an SPS podcast. I'm Brendan Erickson, a regional sales manager at SPS. And my name is Jackie Green, a marketing specialist at SPS. This show brings you the latest happenings in the ONP industry. We're unpacking trends and news from this tight-knit orthotics and prosthetics community. Thank you for joining us. Let's get started. If you offer mastectomy fitting services in your practice, thank you. For one in eight women in every community, certified mastectomy fitters provide invaluable breast cancer care by fitting breast prostheses, bras, and post-surgical garments. Amona can train your staff to sit for their mastectomy fitter certification exams and can provide convenient options for CE credits, both in-person and virtually. Register online at amona.us slash fitter. That's amona.us slash fitter. We're excited to welcome Anodyne, Dr. Comfort, and Celia Ruiz to the Supplier Advantage family. Supplier Advantage is SPS in-stock program that delivers more availability from select suppliers. Reduce shipping costs and receive more complete shipping when you shop Supplier Advantage today. Visit the link in our show notes to learn more about our newest Supplier Advantage partner offerings. Hello, listeners. This week, we are joined by our very own rock star of SPS and clinical education manager, certified prosthetist, Sam Brulette. You've probably seen him on the road presenting at our clinical days or at an AOPA or academy meeting. Welcome, Sam. Thank you, Brandon. It's a joy to be on with you guys. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining the pod today. We're going to be talking about recent Medicare policy changes. For those who haven't had the pleasure of meeting you in person, could you share a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, I've been in the OMP field for going on 32 years now, I believe. So it's been a while. I was in clinical practice prior to coming on board with SPS in 2010. Married my wife's name's Mary. I've got seven grandkids, and uh, I just love working. I love our field, and I love the people I get to work with. Yep, absolutely, man. Great to hear it. All right, Sam. Well, you know, it's the beginning of 2024. Everyone's starting the new year out. And on our last cast, Jackie and I were talking about our New Year's resolutions, and she brought up a cool idea. And you mentioned earlier that you've already got your word. But we're going to start off the podcast with each of us telling our word for the year and make it a resolution. So why don't you kick us off? Well, it's something our church does at the end of every year. So in December, as a congregation, we kind of select a word for the year, for the next year. And my word is patience. Not necessarily that I don't have patience, but to increase the capacity to have patience. Gotcha. I love it, man. All right, Jackie, I'm putting you on the hot seat now. All right. So I thought about it, you know, a whole 24 hours and... I'm think. Can I do two words? I'm gonna cheat and do two words. So the one word that I remembered, I had said I thought of a word and forgot it in the last episode. The, that word was thrive. So that was my word for the year. But then I wanted to throw in the word change because it seems like this year is gonna have a lot of good change. So I want to combine those two, like changing and thriving. Those are my words for 2024. Yeah, I kind of cheated. Um, I'm not this smart, but I found a, a cool word from physics. Um, I'm always fascinated by physics, but my word is emergence. And the definition of emergence is it's it's a word used to describe a property or a law or phenomenon which occurs at a macro level, kind of the forest level, but it's actually not occurring at the tree level. So it's kind of one of those things where it's a sum of 
the all the parts, even though the individual parts don't have those individual properties. And I think that's big for our field. You know, together as one, we can be a much bigger emergence rather than just our individual parts. So I did cheat a little bit, but that's mine for the year. I like that. That's a good word. So nice segue. We're going into 2024 and there's certainly some new things emerging. So Sam, let's kick this off um, with the interesting policy changes that have come out, especially around the lower limb policy updates. Well, yeah, there's uh, quite a few changes that happen within policy. And when I talk about policy, I'm kind of focused on the LCD for lower limb prosthesis and the uh, policy article goes, goes along with that. And the importance of seeing what those revisions or those changes are, right? They call them revisions. The LCD we, we currently have was original effective date in 2015, along with that policy article, same, same time. You want to guess how many revision changes there's been to the LCD and the policy article since 2015? I'll flip it back on you guys. 25. Way more than that. I, well, I was thinking a lot, but then I'm thinking maybe it's so difficult to get the changes that it's small. But Well, since 2015, there's been 14 policy article revisions, and there's been eight LCD revisions. Okay? So if you printed off a copy in 2015 and stuck it in your desk drawer and say, hey, I refer to that all the time, then you probably don't have the most current application of, of policy, Right. Some of the revisions that took place in October of 2023 in that revisions of the LCD and policy article was already setting things up for 2024 with effective dates in January. Uh, so, you know, lower limb LCD in October, there was an addition. Uh, part of the revision was that there was an additional code added, a HICPIX code. So if you're not familiar with that, that's our, our billing codes within prosthetics and orthotics. And it's an L5991. Well, that's what the revision called it. And then you look up what 5991 is, is actually a addition to lower extremity prosthesis, osteointegrated external prosthetic connector. So that's the component that is external that you need to fix the prosthesis or two, right? So there, there was actually a code that came out October with a start date. And then with that policy article that came out at the same time, you kind of cross over from the LCD to the policy article, and that describes actually what L5991 is in, in long terms, right? So it's a really good thing for our field because that gives us a billing code when we're working with osteointegration cases. Well, at the same time, they're also what they call coding guideline information. So policy article is the regulatory statutory type information. LCD is your, your more medical necessity, reasonable and necessary language. So they added a code, L5991, and then within the policy article, they gave some rules around what that would be. What, what, what is that device technically? And then they also gave coding guideline information from four or five other codes that currently were not in the policy article. What does this mean for our practitioners? When they add coding guidelines to the policy article, that's the information of what that product is, what it looks like, what it feels like, or how it acts, right? So anything that is not described by that long narrative would possibly not be the correct coding for that product. And some of these are codes we use in the prosthetic field every day. L5845, 5982, 5984. These are, these are codes we could use almost every day. 
And so that set up and said, hey, wow, we got a new code in October. And then we moved to the the changes that took place with the January 1, 2024 revision change. So revisions in October and then revisions in January 1, right? Uh, and within the revisions on January, they really did look at, they added two codes. One of them we, we already knew about was going to be coming with an effective date January 1. And that, uh, that was for a fluid swing and stance polycentric knee joint, which is was two of the products that, that we use quite a bit, the Alux and the KX07. So we knew that one was coming out. But then there was also an additional code in January that came out. And this is something that you'll see a lot of times that we like to use on above knee amputees. It goes between the socket and the knee. And it's a connector. It's a prosthetic connector that allows that patient to push a button, swing the leg around for getting into a car or getting dressed, helping them get their shoe on, puts it in a different position, but then it comes back and locks directly in the line of progression or the correct alignment. So that code was added along with fee schedules. So th- those are some interesting things. Moving forward, we'll be probably seeing more of that stuff. So Medicare passed some rulings a few years back that they were going to expedite or quicken the process of bringing new technology, new codes to the market. Some of them are existing components that have been around for a while, just didn't have coding. We're expecting, hopefully, you know, it's in the comment sections, is the adjustable socket technology coding coming out that, that Click Medical went after, right? So there, there's some foresight into that that hopefully we'll be seeing that very soon too. It's all really, it's really super interesting. And it's kind of exciting to see how they are trying to improve their process so that it can better flow and change as technology. I just, in our industry, but then all around the world, I feel like the technological changes, it's like governments can't keep up sometimes because it's just so fast. Well, so Sam, what changes are currently being reviewed by CMS then? What's kind of like in the pipeline right now? Well, I'm not the expert on, you know, Medicare billing, documentation, that things, but I do stay informed, right? And I think this is the importance of our field, not just our OMP administrators. A lot of times they're the ones that are staying in touch with policy changes, but also our clinicians. And just reviewing the January 1st, 2024 revision of the LCD, I found in on page two of that revision, a proposed LCD and comment period. Now, what is that? There's actually, if you're looking at it digitally, and you can get this from cms.gov, you get it from your DME MAC contractor, whether that's CGS or Neridian. But in the digital copy, it's actually a link. It gives you a DL33787, which is in comment period. So for, I believe, the next two months, uh, it allows the public to, to comment on, on this potential change. And this is a proposed LCD change, not just an addition of an L-code or something like that. But the proposed change is making a change to where some K2 ambulators above knee would have access to microprocessor knee technology. Now, again, this is, this is something our field has been working towards for a long time, because we see the benefits for protecting against injurious falls, stumbles. People who are allowed this technology can actually possibly even do better in what they're doing because they're safer, they're, they're more confident, right? So again, if you go to your LCD, just go on cms.gov, find your latest LCD, 
or CGS Meridian, pull up that LCD, click on the link, and it's going to give you what that wording is for the proposed draft change uh, and talk about what the change is. And it's going to take you to what's called a requester letter. So somebody requests that there be a revision or a change to the LCD to allow MPKs to be put on K2s, right? That request was Autobach. Uh, but the letter is accessible there also. There's a, there's a link for the letter. And you can read what Audubon wrote and made an argument, right, for that. Again, it's in comment period currently. Doesn't mean it's going to go forward. It, we don't know. But it's exciting to see that, that potentially some of our ambulatory patients are out in the community, but they're not the K3 amputees, but they can go out and they can potentially get technology that is currently restricted from them. So, so uh, again, go to go to your either your DME Mac, CGS Meridian, or CMS's website. Uh, if you find the, the latest edition, the January 1, 2024 revision of the LCD, there's actually a link that takes you to the proposed LCD in comment period, right? You can click on that, and all the information is there, and they also give you a link to make a comment. So that again, public comment period is open for everybody to make comments on. Okay, so so if you guys want to get involved, do it right. Absolutely, or clarify. And again, this isn't to say, hey, we're guiding you towards a selection of microprocessor needs for K two patients. Remember, it's just whatever technology is what's best for that patient. That's really what we want to look at. But the, the comment period is is open to the public. There's a process to this because this is not just adding a code that of a product that's already been on the market. You know, that went really quick, right? But this is a proposed change to the else. More to come on that, I'm sure, in, in the next few months. Other things, you know, we do have the, I mentioned earlier, the adjustable socket technology, user adjustable mechanical socket technology that, that we're looking is in that period of time now where we're waiting on final decisions on that, of what that verbiage, the L code, and the fee schedule would be. And... I also foresee a lot of things added to the policy article. They're really beefing up the long narratives of L codes, really describing what that L code would be. We saw this in 2020, right? With the six prosthetic codes added to face-to-face encounter, added to prior authorization, then January 2020 added to PDAC condition of payment had to be PDAC reviewed device. There's been several of those added, those long narratives. So I think it's really important that our customers stay in touch with what those are. Uh, we're all working towards getting better clarification and definition of function and outcomes versus what a product looks like. So I have a I have a road question here, Sam. Have descriptions in the past been more about what products look like versus their functionality? And is that part of the significance and the change that's happening? Is they're focusing more on functionality than just what it might visibly look like or appear to be? It's actually a very, very good and very interesting question. To answer it correctly, I would say that what happened was, and you got to go back 10, 15 years and, and really look at the history of Medicare and, and policy. 2015, there was a major revision proposed to the LCD that would completely radically have changed kind of the way we do business. It went through all the comment periods and all that stuff. And, and, and then later in the year, Medicare actually pulled it back and said, okay, we're not going to do this. You know? And there's a whole reasons why. 
But ever since then, they, they really, if you read the document that kind of set that up, I would argue it was in 2011. So we're, we're looking at things that started, in my opinion, in 2011 with a OIG, Office, Office Inspector General report. The title of the, the report was Questionable Billing by Suppliers of Lower Limb Prostheses, right? <laughs> you know, and, and in that, they noted that the the contractors, that's a, whether it's RAC or DME Max or whatever the contractor was, were not educated enough to be able to look at a, a component or something and say, yes, this is what this, this is properly coded. So with that draft that should get shut down, then they started moving in other ways and introducing, okay, for these six codes, everybody remembers this, we're going to look at these six codes, lower limb prosthetic codes, and we're going to require face-to-face encounter, we're going to require prior authorization, we're going to require PDAC verification. Well, prior to August, they didn't really have a descriptor for, for PDAC to make the determination of what these six codes were, right? 5980, flex foot or equal. That was the L code. Well, what the heck does that describe? Well, they described it, right? So a lot of that comes to this, and I'm seeing that now. And, and those six codes, by the way, I'm not sure why they picked them, but I have a feeling. Those are th- six of the highest billing codes out there, not necessarily the six of the most utilized codes, all right? There's one of those codes, which is 5858, I believe I'm correct, is stance control only. There's not a predicating product for that right now. With that said, Medicare, you look at highly utilized codes. Of course, if if, if I was the person paying, I would want to know that what's being put on patient is what you're coding me, you're billing me for. So that's why I see a lot of this stuff is has been around foot and ankle systems, motion systems, things like that, where we're getting long descriptors describing what that product is. And... In some cases, it's really describing what it's not. So, Sam, if I were a clinician and, and I was making it my New Year's resolution to be more informed about policy changes, where would you suggest I start? You know, any helpful hints? What should I do? CMS.gov, CGS, your DME Max, CGS, or Noridian websites. You just click on LCD or local coverage determination, and, and get the latest copy of it. Stay in touch with that. It's usually the first of the month if they're going to make a change, you, you'll, you'll get a notification. So all of them that I looked at were on the first of the month for the most part. And, and do that on a regular basis. So there's somebody within a company that could and should just kind of monitor that. So stay in touch with your DME Mac or CMS. And then what I do is I don't, oh, this is a, this is a new one, right? Because you scroll down on page two and it says revision date, right? Original date. And I'm looking for revision. Date. Oh, that's a different revision date. You know, this is January 1, 2024. The last one I had was October. All right. And then I'm just going to go down to the bottom and it's going to tell you what that revision entails, right? Revision tw- January 1, 2024. Revision entails addition of L5991, right? Something like that. So now I know what that revision is. So making sure you got the latest copies of policy, following up on that, taking a look at that. And then I always do a crossover. Uh, I have a copy of the LCD on one screen and the policy article on the other, or I have a copy of the LCD on one screen and a copy of the L codes that are within the LCD. 
on another screen. So when it says addition L5991, I'm like, what the heck is that? And I look straight over to the Elka. Oh, that's that thing. And then I look back at the policy article and, and scan down till I find that code information. In this case, it was under socket connectors headings. So you got systems, sockets, feet, knees, liners, interfaces, and now socket connectors. Oh, there's that long terminology in the policy article. So I would say stay in touch. Make sure you get the latest copies. Don't print a copy from and use it from three years ago. This there's a lot more. It's like I read chapter one. I need to read, read chapter two. Get the whole story. So you gotta have the latest copies to do that with. And then you can also attend an SPS regional education event that we we have. I believe we have nine of them scheduled throughout the, this year. And I'm going to be doing a one-hour conversation on practical utilization of the LCD and the policy article. Love the plug. <laughs> Sam, is there anything else that you would like to add? I know we've kind of covered a wide range today of important information, but is there anything else you want to call attention to? Well, I would just say, reach out to me. I'm not an expert in policy. There's some great people out there that are no more or they're experts in that field. I stay informed. Information, Brendan, I know you real well, data, right? Data, information creates knowledge, right? But it's the proper utilization of that knowledge that gives you the wisdom in our field. So let us help you where we can or seek out a source that, that, that you trust. No, it's great advice, Sam. Thank you so much. Um, it's always a pleasure to have you here. Um, and I can't wait for these clinical days. And I learn every single time I watch you and I've seen them multiple times. I always learn something new every time. So I'm looking forward to it. But thank you again for coming today. Yeah, thanks a lot, Sam. Registration for the first half of the 2024 SPS Clinical Education Days is now open. So follow the link in our show notes or visit the resource tab on SPSEO.com for more info. And they are free, right, Jackie? Every, it's all free. Awesome. I love that word. Thank you for tuning in to the ONP Check-In, an SPS podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to episodes. And while you're at it, rate and review the podcast to help fellow ONP professionals find us. Email us your topic suggestions and feedback at SPS Podcast at SPSCO.com. See you next time.